There's no alternative. That's the game we're in. You know, there's no point us feeling sorry for ourselves and, you know, looking for a cuddle anywhere. There's only one way to change our circumstances, that is to come out on Sunday, put in a performance and not just play good football, but actually go out there and, and show some some conviction about ourselves, you know, as a team. So, um, because, like I said, uh, sometimes we can disguise how we're going, you know, by the fact that, oh, you know, we play some nice stuff, but... Like I've said from day one, that's not what I'm about. I want to win, and you know that's that's why I came to this football club, and 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 that's the message. And like I said, we still got a long way to go, and I've said that from the start. We're still right at the beginnings of what we know needs to create. And days like today just give you further evidence and fuel as to how much we need to do. The reason that I'm here is because you know the club is seeking change. Well, whether you come or not, you're going to see a completely different first team under me. You know, my hope and my desire, and what I'm going to try and do is give our supporters hope and, and belief that we're, um, you know, we're going to embark on something special. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. It is episode 154. Better late than never. Uh, we are a little bit delayed this week getting around to doing a podcast, as we mentioned on our last episode. Uh, I was out of town. Big shout out to Amsterdam Spurs as I was visiting the Netherlands with my family for a few days. Uh, so we are here to talk about two games, one of which is going to be way more pleasant than the other. We've got Caroline with me. She is at CG Stefko. Caroline, how are you on this fine Thursday evening? I'm doing pretty well, you know, other than... As they always say, it's the hope that kills you. Um, <laughs> I thought we were turning a corner with the, the men's team's performances, but kind of a frustrating one today. Yeah, there's no question about it. Frustrating uh, for a number of reasons. A um, little bit of admin to get out of the way first. Uh, I want to apologize for my voice. As I mentioned, I was traveling, happened to bring back a little bit of a post-nasal drip thing going on, a little cough little sniffle uh it's not covid thankfully um but i definitely am, am playing hurt uh fighting through it i'm gonna try and knock out this pod and then another one at the weekend so we'll see how the voice holds up but uh just want to pre-apologize for that uh also want to shout out the folks in amsterdam like i mentioned uh the folks at regular and jack sports bar were great um great atmosphere to watch the city game with uh very very enjoyable time with all of those folks out in amsterdam this past weekend um and then finally the last bit of admin i want to wish a happy hanukkah to everyone because tonight as we're recording is the first night of hanukkah um so any of our listeners who are celebrating maybe listening to this um in in the days after um or in the coming days celebrating hanukkah over the next week uh want to wish them a happy hanukkah um caroline i don't i guess like we're going to talk about these two games but like there's also like kind of a big tent to talk about with this team right now but let's um i, I figure we should probably dive in just on the city game first and then move on to west ham do this in kind of chronological order um spurs went and got a point at the etihad on sunday and I, there's no other way to look at it as this team always does this. They they seem to be really, really good at being Man City's bogey team. Um, and I know that City, you know, City turned around and lost to Villa 
um, later in the week. Uh, and, you know, City are definitely not the city of old right now, but it's still an important point and an important result. And it, it kind of played out almost in the way that you just would have expected it to with Spurs just going for it. Um, what What's your, before we kind of dive into some of the, the finer points of the game, what is your uh, kind of big tent thought on on Spurs three, Manchester City three? I think my big takeaway is that, you know, in contrast to some of our other recent games, this was the one match where we really took our chances, um, obviously reflected in the score line. But you also get the flip side, which is that our, our defense is just making some very utterly bizarre mistakes um, in these last few games. And uh, I was joking in our group chat today that I don't know if we're ever going to get a clean sheet again. And, you know, it's okay if we outscore the opponent, you know, I, I realize that clean sheets really are quite meaningless in, in the grand scheme of things, but um, some of these goals, it just feels like they, they should not be happening. So that's kind of the tough thing to take from, I think, not just, you know, this game, but also the, the West Ham match that we just watched. Um, the city match, I, I thought like the lineup made sense to me for what was available. The, the one big problem for me in this match obviously was in the right center back spot playing Emerson Royale. And I felt like when you're talking about giving up goals that shouldn't be allowed or, or just trying to control the game, that was where it started for me. And I don't want to dig out Emerson too much, but that he was the player that stood out to me. He, and well, I'll name another one too, Eve Basuma. I want to come on to when we talk about West Ham as well, because I thought Basuma was much better against West Ham than he was against City. But Basuma played one of the worst games I'd seen from him. Um, but that combination and just trying to piece together something against such a formidable opponent, I just felt like was always going to be a problem. And, you know, credit to Spurs and credit to um, really to, to Dan Kulsevsky in this match, because he was the straw that was stirring the drink going forward. And I felt like for all that Spurs were kind of up against in terms of having to play Ange ball and not, you know, I, I think if, 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 if Spurs sit in and try and change the way they play, they probably lose this match four nil or four one, but instead it's a three, three because they did go for it. And I feel like that is the, you know, it, it's hard to think about after what we just witnessed against West Ham, but, when you revert back four or five days and think about the result against Man City, you know, there is this mindset with this team that no going for it is, is the better thing to do and going for it. Um, this and ball that we've been seeing and loving um, it, it is the way to go about it. And even though they're having to move, you know, we spoke a few weeks ago about the chess pieces having to be moved around with all the injuries and suspensions and everything, but Kulusevsky in the middle looked fine. I thought Brian Heal was, you know, contributing despite the fact that he was overmatched a little bit. But what would you expect? You know, Brian Heal going up against Kyle Walker? Like, that's just going to happen, right? Yeah, I think, you know, Brian, he was so important to that first goal that we scored. And I don't think that should go overlooked. He did kind of cool slightly as the game went on. But I, I think the thing that I liked the most out of this game was really just the determination all across the formation to press, to regain possession. Um, Cause I think in two of our goals, we saw that was really important, not just, you know, Brian, the work he did to kind of um, 
you know, churn in that tight space, progress the ball, but also in our, our goal where Ben Davis header that really got them started. Um, those were two really good examples of everyone's committed is, is kind of how it felt in this game. Um, and you really saw the attack starting to gel because now a few of these players have started to have, you know, a string of games like LaCelso, um, Brian Hill, even, you know, Brennan Johnson, he's had a few starts in a row. Um, and I mean, the defense kind of is what it is. And I think really that area of the pitch has suffered the most from rotation, like having too much rotation, like every game, they can't really build up that chemistry that we had saw, you know, really early on between Romero and Van de Ven, um, as well as with their fullbacks. But I think that going forward, there were a lot of positives to be taken. So, and like, like you, I really loved seeing Kulisevsky in that number 10 role. I thought he was superb. Um, and even when Ange had to kind of, you know, make the tactical tweak in the second half um, and he kind of went back out to the wing, I thought he was still performing really well. So it's, there weren't really too many negatives in this game for me. Um, I think Bistuma is one of them. And I guess I would have been tempted to chalk it up to like a little bit of rest from his suspension and, you know, having uh, the international break off as well, but he didn't do too well against West Ham either. So I think we might have a bit of a problem there. Yeah. That's going to be an interesting one. Um, certainly to monitor. I, I do want to talk about the sub that you mentioned, the, the halftime adjustment, taking off Brian Hill, bringing on Pierre Emil Hoybier. I thought it was a good move, but I was also, I'm, I'm, I'm so fascinated by Brian Hill in this moment. Like I, I don't, I don't think he is some kind of saving grace or some kind of answer, but he's definitely given this team more in the last few games than we saw even out of someone like men or Solomon. I think that he can be like a, a slightly better version of men or Solomon. I'm just not sure if that's good enough. Um, and credit to Hoybier too, because I thought he, when he came on in the second half, that tactical tweak, I mean, Spurs just got absolutely battered in the first half. I mean, possession, XG, whatever stat you want to look at. Um, and then the second half was a totally different story. And it's it's so interesting to me because I feel like it was one of those, what, whatever you want to say, Ange masterclass from the second from first half to second half. And then if we tie it into what happened against West Ham, it was almost the opposite, where Spurs were really, really good in the first half and then just absolutely fell flat um, come the second half. But the, the, the substitution of Hoybier was just a, a stroke of something brilliant trying to manipulate that midfield and get control of the possession. Because honestly, let's let's call a spade a spade. If Spurs are going to be successful, they have to have the ball. They have to have control. They have to be moving forward. This is not going to be a counterattacking team like we saw in the last handful of seasons under Conte Mourinho. They, they want to have the ball. They want to work work their stuff. And and you know go go for it um and that allowed them that that sub allowed them to do such a thing um despite the fact that you know you look at the stats from this game and um possession ended up only being 55 45 to city because of that second half but the xg alone i i was actually like you know as i mentioned i was watching this game for the first time in a while in a, in a bar around a lot of people wasn't really paying that close attention to stats like i do when i'm watching at home but to know that Spurs only got 0.46 XG 
in this game and scored three goals is really, really something. And it, and it speaks to kind of those moments that you talked about, like the one with Brian Heal for the first goal, the one with Ben Davis and the header uh, for the later goal. And, you know, Man City had 2.57 XG and scored three goals. It, it, it the, the difference in those two things are just, you know, that's how you know, that's how you go up to, to the FAA and get a point. And honestly, the way Spurs played in the second half, they very easily could have gotten all three. I, yeah, I think it helps too that Erling Holland was having an off day. And some, you know, some credit has to go obviously to our defense and keeping him quiet. And, you know, if we're going to go back to our second goal again, when Davis got that header, you know, that was a, an example of Holland just totally switching off and Ben being the one who is more alert. But I do, I've been kind of trying to puzzle out how much of the second half improvement was down to Hoybier because it's kind of interesting because we basically had that same lineup to start the West Ham game. And I didn't feel like kind of, um, I don't know. It was definitely a better first half against West Ham, but I don't, I don't feel that Hoybier was really making a huge impact in that game. So that's a tough one for me. He's kind of a player that he just hasn't been consistent enough for me this season. So I'm, I'm just not really sure where to go with him at this point. But I do think the change made sense at the time because, you know, Brian Hill, he was not beating his man on the wing. Um, we just weren't getting any productivity out of that area of the pitch. So it did make sense to kind of try to regain a, a little bit more control in, in the midfield and work from there. But yeah, it, it, there were chances um, for us to win this game. And I think that's hugely encouraging in terms of, you know, the long term, because I think both of these games kind of had me thinking a lot more about big picture than kind of, you know, the minute details, because um, we we're still in this injury crisis and that's not going away anytime soon. So it's kind of a matter of you need these players like Brian Hill, like Javier, Oliver Skip, who featured in both games, um, Richarlison, they, they need to be making an impact when they can. Um, you know, obviously we know that they're not necessarily first choice players when we have the squad fully fit, but I think, you know, some of them have shown a little more than others in these, in these last few games. Yeah. You, you said it. I mean, the fact that the fact that not only did Jamie Donnelly appear in this game and make his, his debut, but you've got Alejo Valiz, Yago Santiago, Alfie Dorrington, all on the bench, as well as two keepers in Brandon Austin and, and Fraser Forster, who, who, by the way, signed a new deal with the club this week. I, that's, I, I know that's not the headline news that we, that we really discussed, but um, an interesting decision by the club to, to extend him a bit. Um, the fact that that's your bench and there's not a, you know, not only are you starting Emerson Royale at right center back, but you, that's, you don't have options with dire hurt with, you know, obviously Van Deven out Romero was serving the last of his suspension and that is, it's an important point you make, like with the micro versus the macro of, yeah, it's really, really bad right now in, in the short term, but long term, this is this, the kind of stuff that you still, I, I don't know, there's, there's a big panic after, and, and I guess we can kind of start to shift conversation a little bit to the West Ham match, but there's a big panic after this match today. And again, three or four days ago after City, we were talking about, wow, okay, we ended the losing streak by getting a draw 
let's go and then turn around and, and West Ham happens and there's a big panic on the internet about you know how awful it's been and I think that we all know it's been awful but we all know why it's been awful too and that's the that's the important part and I, I see a lot of um I don't know I went into some rabbit holes after the West Ham game today on the internet about you know Ange needs to change his playing style he needs to learn he needs to do this he needs to do that and I'm just like do, do we not know that this is a project do we not know that this is December of you know the the first year of a project and we we were saying it for so long during the winning run to start the season when we were top of the table saying hey let's everybody calm down like I was trying to say it like let's everybody take a deep breath we're not going to win the league even though we're at top there's a long season to go a lot can happen and then obviously the Chelsea match happens and it all it all happened in that game it changed everything um but all of a sudden people are pressing panic buttons and I'm just like, I can't get on board with that um, just because of a bad stretch of games. I can't. I think it's really important for us to just keep it in context, you know, Um, something that the media is not willing to do, but at least as fans, we can, you know, acknowledge the circumstances that the team is in. And I think the fact that this, loss came right after that draw with Man City made it hurt a little bit more than it probably would have otherwise because we see the potential you know even in these players that are not part of the preferred starting 11 we know that they're still talented players who have something to offer Um, the consistency is not always there and that's obviously why they're not part of the first team but I just think we have to have a little bit of patience <laughs> and a team like West Ham they're you know obviously they're in European competition now but fundamentally their style under David Moyes like it's it's still the same you know, low take that pieces um, just really unpleasant team to play against and we know that not having a player like James Madison in the squad for this match was always going to be a disadvantage to us um, because we saw there, you know, the players that were on the pitch were not really finding those sort of line breaking passes that we know Madison can do. Um, we were really trying to concentrate the attack on the wings and not having a lot of, um, a lot of output from them. So, yeah, I think you have to take that into account. And again, <laughs> The two goals that we conceded in this match were so frustrating to witness because one of them, the first goal was basically like nine times out of 10, Romero kicks that ball out of bounds harmlessly. And in this one instance, Ben Davis was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And it falls kindly to West Ham. Like these things happen. It's just frustrating that they keep happening to us this season. It feels like everything that could go wrong is going wrong. Um, And then, you know, with the second goal, I feel like, Udagi really left Vicario out to dry. Like I will acknowledge that Vicario could have done better um, to capture the ball instead of just parrying it out, but it, he was put in a bad position to begin with. So I feel like I, I lay a little more of the blame at Udagi's feet for that one. Um, but we've kind of seen that, that there's just not as much calmness um, when we're playing in our, you know, defensive third lately. And I think, again, that comes down to, having so many changes within the back line recently. I feel like the chemistry is just a little bit off still. And, you know, it was great to see Romero back in the squad, 
but you know he hasn't played in several weeks with the team so um these things are just going to happen and it's it's just frustrating though because this was a weekend where you know with the way results fell like it felt like we really needed to take advantage of this game and, and get all three points and we did not so it's you have to balance that with knowing that like you said it is a project and we're going to have games like this and I think Ange is being realistic about you know not just what he's working with in the short term but what he's going to have in the long term um, you know he's he's got that in mind and I think we need to keep it in mind too. Well, there's no question about it. And if I would have told you back in August that 15 matches into the season, there'd be eight wins and three draws, uh, and a third of those matches would be played with, you know, either no Romero, no Van de Ven, no Madison, like uh, all the upheaval that has been, um, I think anyone would probably take being on 27 points through 15 matches in, in that scenario. It's just the last five have been you know, what they are, the last five. Um, Tottenham, here's here, the, the, the two stats that come out of this game that are really, like, jarring to me. Tottenham have held a lead in every game that they've dropped points in the Premier League this season, which is, that's a that's a jarring one. Um, and it's, I don't think that fully comes down to defense either uh, and and not having Van de Ven, not having Romero for some of those games. Um I think that comes down to to coaching and mentality, which still needs improvement. And that's not a dig at Ange. That's a we're learning still. We're 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 what we've been saying this whole time. It's part of the the greater project. Um, and the other one that is this one's a little more convoluted, I guess. But Tottenham have lost three home matches in a row in the same season for the first time uh, since February two thousand seven. Um, that's that's a tough one as well because especially in this new stadium, like the atmosphere tonight for that game on a Thursday night against West Ham, it's early December. You're thinking we're heading into the holiday season. This is a, a big London Derby. The atmosphere was there. I mean, the fans were there for this one and let's just, you know, you look at the first half and, you know, as you mentioned, Christian Romero comes back into the team. Everyone's excited. And then he scores his first home goal 11 minutes in. And this is looking like, okay, here we go. Back on track. Romero's back. Um, this is going to be an easy 3-0. And the rest of that first half was just, I mean, I don't, I don't know what else can be done about just a lack of taking your chances. Um, but for me, it, it, a lot of it came from it, as I'm watching this game, I'm watching Spurs control the ball so much. I mean, I think they had something close to 85, 90% of the possession in the first like 30 minutes of this match. Um, they really just dominated play and to watch them dominate play so much and only come away with one goal. I, I don't know what else to say other than they need more creation which they don't have with madison and they need more pace on the outside and look i i think they have pace with brennan johnson but boy was he playing with his food a lot in this match and dan kulisevsky for as good as he was against manchester city i thought he was really really bad in this match i just i there was no desire for him to cross a ball with his right foot i'm not sure he is aware that he's able to do that um and even cutting in on his left it was 
it was painfully slow. It was painful to watch. Um, they just could not seem to work anything. And when that happens, Young Min Sun is gonna is gonna appear to be absent, um, playing through the middle. So it's and there's no creation from the Celso in this game. Um, he really didn't do anything worth a damn. Uh, I, I just there there was it it was really frustrating to watch this offense after scoring the goal try to get more, but not really just not really have anything come from it. Yeah, and this is why I was, you know, reflecting on the fact that we basically had the same formation, you know, lineup and everything that we had in the second half of the city game, with the exception of obviously Romero came in um, for Emerson Royale, but it just, it didn't feel like it was clicking the same way. And I almost wanted to see, like, personally, my preference would have been for Kulisevsky to start centrally in this game. Um, Cause I feel like, you know, it, it's not anything that we've said when he's playing out on the right wing. He he can tend to get stuck into the same patterns um, and, and have trouble getting out of them. And I think we saw that again today. And it had seemed like he and Lacelso had started to build a pretty good partnership. And that was kind of absent, you know, with him playing Kulisevsky, that is playing out on the wing. We really didn't get to see that link up quite as much. So I don't know. It's a tricky one. We just... I felt like we needed more creativity overall and we just weren't getting that with this specific configuration. Um, and again, you know, West Ham, they, they purposefully make it difficult <laughs> to break them down. So that, that is a factor, but I, I was glad to see at least when Papsar came on, you know, he was kind of a surprise to be on the bench in the first place. Um, and at least when he came on, it felt like, we got a little bit more of an attacking spark and he was taking shots. And I felt like that encouraged the rest of the, the players to start taking their own shots. Um, and we still didn't score, but you know, at least it was kind of like the, the kick that they needed. And, you know, you mentioned the fans um, previously and I was really struck by, you know, in Sonny's post game interview, he was expressing just how, kind of disappointed he was that their performance let down the fans and you know you could see fans leaving early and I think you know he's he's cognizant of the fact that early in the season it felt like vibes were really good around the club like the players are happy the fans are happy but we do have to find that kind of killer edge that has been lacking in these last few games um, because, you know, results do matter and, you know, Sonny's a competitor, he knows that. And so I think as captain, he's going to be, you know, speaking with the team this week and well, we only have a few days until the next game, but you know what I mean? Um, that there's going to be some conversations and some questions asked, I believe. Sonny seemed pissed off. Um, there's no other, there's no two ways about it. He seemed really pissed at. I wouldn't call it lack of effort, but just not lack of execution. Um, this team just did not execute to, after after scoring a goal early. Um, and it's really it's it's super disheartening too when you're scoring a goal and then giving up two in the second half to lose a game. And he just seemed frankly fed up. Um, and he also, you know, we didn't even mention he he came off in the 88th minute 
after getting a knock in this game. Hopefully he's okay to play on Sunday against Newcastle. Um, because goodness, if he's not, I don't know what you do there. I guess Richarlison comes in to start, but Richarlison's still coming back um, from you know from his surgery. Uh, he did come in in the 67th minute in this game and and you know missed missed a really good chance with his head. Um, had had a few good moments. I I got to be honest, I did not as as much as I liked Ange's subs again in the City game. I did not like his subs in this game. I thought um, they were very confusing, and I also thought he made them far too late. Uh, he waited until the 67th minute to bring on Richarlison and skip for Lacelso and Hoybier. And I just thought you could tell in the first five to 10 minutes of the second half. Um, and obviously Bowen's goal came in the 52nd minute. You could tell really early on in the second half that West Ham, it was almost like what Spurs did to city on Sunday. They came out in the second half, like gangbusters and were just all over us with a press and all of a sudden you could see the deer in headlights look from this defense. And I thought Ange sat on, on the subs for too long. And I did not really understand much of what he was trying to pull with. And, and I, I'll say that with the caveat of he doesn't have a lot to choose from on the bench either. We know that because of everything uh, injury wise, but it was super, super frustrating that he waited and that, I, I just they were confusing to me the subs were the subs didn't make a lot of sense yeah I agree I think not just that they were too late but the ordering of them was a little strange um I, I feel like it was pretty apparent that Sun needed to come out earlier in the game just for the simple fact of rest you know we've got Newcastle coming up in just a few days and he's I don't want to say our only striker because Richarlison is on the squad Belize is you know he's involved even if he's young, but Sonny's the only one who's really been efficient this season. So that worries me greatly if he gets into an injury situation. And, you know, I, I would have taken him out ahead of LaCelso because, you know, I don't, I don't think anyone really had a great game in, in this match, but LaCelso was probably one of the better performers if I had to choose um, along with Pedro Porro, who quietly has been our best player player this season to be honest um he's well, just kind of working hard I'll, getting it done you know i'll tell you pedro poro has been great and he's picked up yellow cards in the last two matches which makes me a little nervous but he has been great the other player that and i, I i'm i know i know you think this too I'm, I'm but romero had a great game i thought in his return he also picked up a really dumb yellow card late but romero was real like you could definitely tell Romero was back, not just be from scoring a goal, but like the, the, the calmness, the presence that he had back there was really, really something. Obviously he got unlucky with the, the Ben Davis thing, the, the ball and the bone goal. Um, that's just a bit of, 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 of him being unlucky. Um, and the yellow card, I did not like obviously at the end, but that's what you get with Romero. You get him making a stupid foul and picking up a booking when he doesn't need to, um, but Romero was really, really good in this game, but I agree with you, Poro Romero, maybe a little bit of LaCelso, but I don't know. LaCelso to me, it's still a mystery. Like he, he had a couple of really good instances in this game where I thought, okay, there's something, but also there was just a lot of sideways passing a lot of, not a lot of bravery being shown in the attack for wanting to get the ball into the box. Definitely. And I think. 
one of the biggest problems we're having in the absence of Madison is that pretty much across the entire midfield roster, we do not know which version of those players is going to show up on any given day. Um, you know, I think Sar maybe had been the most consistent overall this season, but obviously he's been out with an injury as well. So it's, it's just frustrating because we need them to be on it every single game. And, you know, I think that's kind of what Sonny was alluding to and in, in his post-game comments as well. He was like, I love working with these guys, but, and I'm paraphrasing it here. He was basically like, we got to focus, you know, we've got to, got to start picking up these results because it's, I mean, we saw this with the women's team last season, these stretches of poor results, like they can really start to take a toll on morale and confidence and we don't want to get into that situation. So, yep. Yeah. There's no question. Shit can spiral. It can, it can, it can start to roll down a hill, especially as you head into this period where there are a lot of games, even though you're not in Europe um, and you still have a lot of injuries and I, I don't know, it shit can turn sour really quickly if you're not careful. And I think Spurs are in a moment again, micro versus macro, in the micro, this could get ugly before Madison Van de Ven get back, um, before perhaps a signing or two can be made in January. And that's the other thing, too, that I, I think, you know, we're a couple of weeks away from the window opening. I I hate to say that you you know, you should never you should never change your transfer uh plan or business based on injuries or those kinds of things, but this this might be a January where Spurs need to um, get a little uncomfortable with with what they plan to do in terms of bringing players in. I mean, not only does this team need another center back, it needs another midfielder. This team probably honestly needs to go find another striker um, because I, not only are we talking about Sonny carrying the load at his age with his injury history, but you just need another guy. You need another body up the, to, to be able to throw up there. Richarlison, God love him, is not he's not carrying a load for this team in this in this system. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing. It's in this system, in this new way of playing. Um, you know, Richarlison came in, was not an Ange guy. He was obviously here before Ange. So I don't know that he's long for this. Um, and there's a couple of other players that we we've already mentioned and spoken about, you know, Hoybier and Skip and um uh, maybe even Lacelso, who knows but there there's there needs to be kind of an influx of talent into this team in January or sh shit in the micro could get really really ugly well and i think even earlier in the season when you know the team was really flying high and obviously before the injury crisis i i think the whole fan base knew that the squad was very thin and if I had to have one complaint about, you know, how we approach this season, it would be the center back position. Like, I think the, the lightness in that specific position is kind of unforgivable um, from a squad planning perspective because, you know, <laughs> the fact that we uh, literally only have one fit senior center back right now should be a wake-up call. So it, you can't always just react to injuries when it comes to the transfer window. But I feel like this is one we could have seen coming anyway, you know? 
Well, there's no question. And and you move on a player like Davison Sanchez, who would, would have looked much better in, in many cases than Emerson Royale did for those couple of games. But also, I kind of have to be behind the club saying Sanchez is not going to be part of the plans moving forward. We found an opportunity to move him on, so we did so. I have to back that decision and take those lumps of be of having this team be really thin. It just it, it's it's really shitty when in one game you lose your left sided center back in Van de Ven, and then you know your other one gets a suspension because that's what he does, um, and all of a sudden you're in a spiral for for five games. So. It, it it is it has just been five games. It's 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 a third of the games that they've played that has looked this bad. And they did pop up with the with the one uh you know the one point at City, which again, who knows if City's gonna turn out to be what City has been over the years. I tend to think that they will. I think they'll probably figure it out. Um, I would much rather them figure it out than the team that's currently at the top of the table. I know that much, but uh who knows? I, I just at this point you almost have to bite the bullet and if there's a if there's a player that Ange is even remotely thinking can play center back or striker or in the attacking midfield until James Madison can come back that creativity is missing that hold up play at times is still missing up top and obviously as you mentioned the the depth in the back end is paper thin i mean you're you're talking about by the way Ben Davis, I think, has not been great, but like, shout out to him for just stepping in and doing Ben Davis things because who else would there be right now without Ben Davis? Like, you'd be you'd be forced to, I don't know, stick Hoybier back there like they did in the Chelsea match for briefly. Right, and I think he deserves a little credit for what he's at least offered going forward. Um, I think was was definitely better than what Royale was offering. So you know, kudos for that and. Again, a tough position when his center back partner has changed like every single game, it feels like. So, yeah, thank you, Ben Davis, for holding it down and just keeping your head down and working. Um, I feel like it's his ethos. So, but we, we've got to find a solution in, in January, I feel like. The one thing that I just remembered that we did not talk about when it came to the city match uh, was the late decision by Simon Hooper to bl- blow a play dead that probably shouldn't have been blown dead and um i i I chuckle as i recall this just because i know that he was also the official match official for the liverpool match and there's a lot of you know i i I think that i'm grateful that this happened only because of the memes that that came out surrounding uh han and 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 the faces he was making like i'm 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 not going to apologize for, for appreciating and, and enjoying that. But what, what did you think of, of that? Obviously just a mistake. Like he, I don't think he read the play well. And I don't think he saw that, that I think it was Grealish uh, was basically one-on-one with Vicario. And by the way, I don't really hate Vicario's chances in that scenario, but at the same time, it was still a mistake. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I think that I back Vicario in that scenario to get the save. Um, especially knowing that it's Graylish. I mean, I know he scored earlier in the game, but he has his moments of, you know, head loss, shall we say. But it was just a mistake. And I don't I don't think you can say that it definitively changed the result because again, Graylish has to take his chance and there's no guarantee of that. 
I also would need to see another replay, but I had a question of if he was offside to begin with. Um, so that could have been a factor. But I will say, I agree with you that the memes that came out of this moment um, and sort of Erling Holland's like resulting temper tantrum has been one of the highlights of the Premier League season so far. And I, I actually like that about Holland, that he can laugh at himself and was, you know, sharing some of these memes. So good for him. Yeah, the one of him as the the woman yelling at the cat at the table will always do it for me. It's it's so perfect. Um, I really did enjoy it, but uh, just more more officiating talk here at the Tottenham Depot. That's just what we do this this Premier League season. It's been it's been really really bad. I was actually really grateful that. Uh, go ahead. Well, I just want to pop in here because this has been bothering me for a couple of weeks now that we have this reputation of kind of having the referees in our pocket because of the Liverpool incident. And people forget that it, they did not want to make that mistake. Like it happened on accident. <laughs> so I don't see how they can say that the referee, you know, the head official in this case, Simon Hooper in that game was trying to throw the game in our favor because he had nothing to do with it. So anyway, I just had to get that off my chest. No, I, it, you're, you're hundred percent right. I'm, I'm so tired of officiating discussions, not only in the premier league. Like I know you're not an NFL watcher, but it's been a, it's been a real topic of conversation in the NFL season um, as well, which apparently it was really, really bad on Sunday. I, I did not watch NFL on Sunday. I was in, as I mentioned, out, out of the country, although it was really jarring. I will say being in a bar watching uh spurs on on sunday evening in in the netherlands and then all the televisions flipped to nfl games was really really weird um just really really jarring stuff to be to have the afternoon nfl games on that late for me uh that was a first for for me but um officiating is just one of those things that you have to yeah you all everybody wants it to improve but you just have to be better than it like it's i i i hate to like we want it to be better, but you also just you have to outperform allowing a call or two or four to to change the outcome. And you know, that's just kind of what it's been. And city on on the day were not. Um that was a deserved point for Spurs. Uh again, they they very easily could have had all three, but um, you know, it's not I'm they're not giving it back. They're not giving back the 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 result against Liverpool, they're not giving back the result against City. Um, and they can't get back what they just, you know, offered against West Ham either. So, uh, it is Newcastle next, as you mentioned, um, that's not going to be great. Although, and I did not watch any of this game, but New Newcastle also played today and lost three nil to Everton, which is one I'm going to have to figure out how that happened. Cause Everton are not very good. Um, although they have, despite their point deduction, climbed out of the relegation zone with that result. So good for them. I think that has kind of galvanized them, to be honest, that point deduction. It feels like, you know, it's, stranger things happen, but this has really kind of united their team. So whatever it takes, I suppose. But I know that Newcastle are also kind of in a bit of an injury crisis. So <laughs> this is going to be like the, you know, rehabilitation derby this Sunday. Um, hopefully we come out on top. I don't know. I... I keep telling myself not to stress about the table standings because we are in such a, you know, dire straits with the injuries, but you know, it's, it's getting pretty congested 
in and around the top four. So really would love to get a win in this game. Yeah, there's no question. Uh, Spurs currently still sit fifth on 27 points. Uh, Manchester United are sixth also on 27 points, but uh, a full seven games back in goal difference from Spurs. Uh, Manchester United are 18 goals scored, 18 goals allowed in their 15 games, which is wild to me. That is the, both those numbers are way too low. Um, and then you go one more spot down and you find Newcastle who are on 26 points, one point back of both Spurs and United. They have 32 goals and 17 allowed. So they have a plus 15 goal differential to Spurs seven. Um, so yeah, it, I agree. It's it's getting it's getting late early. It's it's really not. It's still so early in the season and so much can happen, but I'm not like one to really stare at the table and think about these things, but it is you do want to kind of be able to keep your head above water until you can get the reinforcements for later in the season, but especially knowing that Spurs are not involved in Europe and these other teams around them are, it does give me some, you know, solace to think that Spurs could perhaps make a run late in the season when all these other teams have, have worn themselves out from playing so many games. That's also the thing though, that makes it so frustrating that, you know, we've had all this bad luck because a lot of the teams you usually expect to be near the top of the table um, have had their stumbles and we really could have taken advantage of that this season if it weren't for, you know, just the complete collapse of our squad basically. Yeah, I just I blame Chelsea for all of this. I mean, this is this is and I like to blame Chelsea for a lot of things in life, but I'm especially going to blame them for you know, gesturing wildly across the room. All this because that that's everything. That's what uh that's what you know, this the season has kind of turned it, it all turned on a dime after that match. So, it's uh it hasn't been fun. But Newcastle on Sunday, that'll be fun, I'm sure, or it won't one or the other. Uh, we'll also chat Spurs women back in action on Sunday Two, They play Manchester United at home. Uh, that that's not going to be easy either. Um, and then uh, two, two, two games next week for the women too, both against Arsenal and the league cup and uh, the big game at the Tottenham Hotspur stadium. So boy, it, it, it should be fun over the next week or so as we barrel into the holiday season and, and these fixtures just pile up all around. So uh caroline thank you so much for putting up with whatever this is that i've got going on voice wise um we're going to turn around and do it again on sunday after these games are played and uh thanks again to the listeners for putting up with the little bit of a staggered schedule as we you know we're gonna we know these games are all gonna be at weird times in the holiday season we're gonna try and put up put out as many pods as we're able to uh get together for uh going forward so leave us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice wherever you listen be sure to subscribe that way the podcast can download right to your app uh and we will talk to you all on sunday uh until then this has been the tottenham depot podcast as always come on you spurs i think at the moment we're just going through this spell where you know we're so-called playing good football but i don't see that what i see is us kind of not really showing any real clear conviction in in what we're doing you know it's it's almost like we're thinking the ball will go into the net by itself and it won't. You need, you need to have that determination to, to, to do that and you need that determination to keep the ball out of the, other, out of the net on the other end.